Welcome to Beneath the Wing. Just like air passing over the wing of an aircraft provides lift, the people we meet can also give us lift in life by sharing their stories of strength and success, connecting us all. Beneath the Wing explores the stories of those connected with the Minnesota Air National Guard's 133rd Airlift Wing with a little humor and learning along the way. I'm your host, Wing Command Chief Mark Legvold. Joining me today on Beneath the Wing is newly promoted senior airman Brandy Royette. Brandy is part of our Force Support Squadron's services flight, meaning she works to provide meals and quality life of life measures while she's deployed. She's also been a full-time postal worker in Rochester, Minnesota area, and is currently a student at Winona State University, majoring in environmental geoscience. And she has been working as a custodial science specialist at Chatfield Public Schools, but that's all over now. She has a new job. We'll learn all about it. On top of that, she's our outgoing Airman of the Year here at the 133rd. So the best of the best. Welcome, Brandy. Thank you. Welcome to you, too. Thanks. And everyone else that's listening. <laughs> yeah. You, you've told me that you've actually listened to all of these podcasts. So that's really awesome. I, yes, they're great. Everybody that's been on them have been significant. Well, and here you are joining the best of the best. So you've obviously got a lot going on in life these days and you managed to keep your plate pretty full. Uh, so you've also, also kept pretty busy as our airman of the year. Have you always been this kind of a busy person? Yes, I have. <laughs> so we kept you busy as airman of the year. Um, What's one of the more interesting things that you got to do? Because Airman of the Year isn't just an award that we give out and, you know, it, it kind of ends there. You also get the opportunity to represent our wing at other events outside of uh, just the big award ceremony at the end of our calendar year. So what's what's one of the more cool things that you got to do? I went to a leadership symposium in Mississippi, um, and that's when we're at least one airman or NCO or senior NCO or first sergeant was invited by each wing of the United States. And we all gathered there. And I couldn't tell you everything about it because it was three days long and there were so many good speakers that um, I have a notebook full of things I learned. And I wish I could tell you all of them right now, but um, we our main goal was to empower airmen and that's one of the things i was talking to my leadership about a lot um before we were deployed and even after when we did another um exercise yeah you also met and a lot of interesting people at that didn't you i did yes i um i've stayed in contact with some of them one person from the medical group gave me a pat because I just simply asked him how his day was one day and <laughs> he, I just let him talk. So, and chief um, Erickson was there and I got to hang out with her for a while. That yeah, was really our, nice. our, our state command chief and, and soon to be the senior enlisted leader for the entire Minnesota national guard coming up next week. Yes. It's yes. pretty awesome. She's remarkable. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, so you said you got a whole notebook full of things that you learned. That was about a week-long event or a little bit less, right? Yes, a little less. Yeah. 
and you also got a chance to meet some of the former senior enlisted leaders for the Air National Guard at that. That is that is correct, yes. People who I, uh, still travel. Uh, there was a couple of them, one that didn't make it, um, I think because they had passed away. But yeah, it was it was incredible to see all of them. Um, I can't, can I just say that there was only one woman on that board <laughs> out of all of them. They were, the rest were men. Mm -hmm. So that was incredible to see as well. Absolutely. And you know, the, the face of the guard is changing and rightfully so. And it, it just needs to be, yes. um, was yes. the perspective of the one woman on the board, was it uh, chief Jelinski hall? Yes. Awesome. So. Minnesotan, by the way. <laughs> I got um, a picture with her. Absolutely great. And she's got a book out too. So I'll, t I'll tout that. You can just uh, Google her and, and you can find that. It's, uh, she's, she's done a lot in uh, leading airmen and being a great role model. Um, what was mm -hmm. some of the perspective that she had as the first woman in that position? Oh my gosh. Her perspective was, yeah. well, she really liked the new uh, hair regulations. She said that was about time. Um, she thinks the Air Force is going in the right direction. Um, they, she, she's believed that everyone's put their best foot forward and, um, and it is going the right direction. Okay, well, you've been our Airman of the Year now for uh, almost a full year. You've got a lot of chance to experience some new things and learn a lot. Do you think the Air Force is going in the right direction when it comes to an inclusive environment? Absolutely. Tell me why. Um, one of the main things I think they're going the right direction is because when they had this symposium, they em they embraced the fact that they need to empower their airmen. So, in other words, this means no micromanaging people. Um, you let them fail as they learn, so they can learn. Um, you let them experiment. You let them lead you. They, you let them teach you, the leaders, so they become a leader and they know when to make a move or when to like stay calm or when to just like learn, just to learn. Yeah. I think it's important that we do that with our airmen Old that people. come in. Old people like me Sorry? in spots where we have to make <laughs> these good decisions, Brandy, that's kind of a hard uh, thing for people like me to learn is to be more of a teacher in our roles and, and have the watchful eye and know when it could go really, really wrong, but still empower our airmen mm -hmm. to make mm -hmm. good decisions. You were deployed for a little while. In fact, uh, you had just gotten back about a year and a half ago and... When you're in that half, deployed situation, half a, half a year, there we are. Uh, when you were deployed, did you encounter that it was a little bit different environment, less teaching and more operational, or did you still have the ability to kind of push yourself and, and uh, take on more responsibility than you normally would? So when I was deployed, my first job was, <laughs> I felt like was my biggest responsibility because I volunteered to be the postmaster the post office at the time 
And as I moved to different sections, I felt like my um, opportunity to have, I guess, be more of a leader kind of dwindled, which is, which is great because I went, it was like, I went from being my own boss to being, to being bossed around, which is, mm-hmm. which is okay. Um, but yeah, it gave me a lot of opportunity um, to do so. One of the awesome things, stories that, uh, that I learned about you as we, we went through this process this past year was uh, you roomed with the Airman of the Year from our other unit in the state, the 148th. And that right. Airman also won Airman of the Year for her wing. Um, yes. And then we go through this interview process, Brandy, and yeah, for folks that don't quite, it's it's a job interview kind of, you know, you sit before these these old people like me and Chief Erickson and the Command Chief up at Duluth, and we ask you questions. And one of them was, because we knew that you were both roommates, can you say something about the other candidate? And I found your response to be so genuinely kind-hearted and professionally collegial. What was it like competing against, you know, a friend? We both wanted each other to win. Like we didn't want ourselves to win. Um, And we just looked at each other like we're all one. Um, We know the best is going to win either way because we are the best. And it makes our people make us the best. The ones that um, I was deployed with really made me become a better person. And I have them to thank for that. And I feel like she could say the same about the people that she was deployed with because I have interacted with a lot of them and they were all rooting for her. And you could see each other in others, like their, their eyes. That ability like for people could... to speak kindly of their colleagues. How do we inspire more of that? Um, you, you really just try to see the good in people. Um, even if they have a bad quality, there's always a good side of that bad quality, hundred percent. And you just got to give each other a chance because we're just human. (laughs) Yeah. There's, there's a degree of grace that's needed, isn't there? Yes, absolutely. You shared another story, um, about your time as a postal worker and that that career doesn't really get the credit the folks that work in that career i don't think necessarily get the credit that they deserve for the not just the service that they provide but the way that they provide it and you didn't drive around the countryside like i i live on a gravel road mine pulls up to my mailbox and tosses the mail in. well you were in town in the town of of uh chatfield correct chatfield yeah yes which is a small, small town in Southern Minnesota. And you walked it. Tell me about the people that met on your route. Oh my gosh. Um, they were all different ages, you know, from young to middle age to, uh, uh, to elderly people. Cause I was in the, I'd go in the nursing home, um, or assisted living. I'd go into the elementary school or to the high school. Um, I'd go to families, um, apartment complexes so there was different walks of all life and they were all beautiful they were also nice um some of them you know weren't really used to the postal service um but they were all very very nice and easily approachable i 
loved it when the kids were out playing because when they'd see me coming up, they'd all want to go get the mail. <laughs> and I would pray that I had like at least three different pieces so I can let them all share a piece of mail to bring back or I'll ask their parents. I'm like, is this okay? Yeah. Um, it, was, it was, it was homey. That sounds awesome. They were homey. I, I, yeah. You, you had one, one gentleman that just, uh, I think the story touched my heart, but, uh, he seemed to, uh, he needed a little bit more than just his mail delivered. Um, turns out he was, yes. he, he was a veteran. And you had a, yes. you were able to relate with him a little bit, but you also gave him a big hand, didn't you? I did. Tell yes. us about that. Yeah. Um, I can't remember which war he served in. I didn't get to know him very well, but I know he had some mental um, limitations. Um, and I know he liked to drink. And sometimes you'd see him around town and not in the best state. So I knew when I went to his place, just to scan like his house to see if he was out. Cause I just wanted to know that he wanted him to know that he was loved. So I went up to him and said hi to him and just treated him like a human. Um, so one day I came up to, to deliver his mail and he was sitting out there having a cigarette and I, and he was, and I didn't even realize like the state he was in until like I was standing there for a couple moments and I asked him how he was and he's like I'm just a little down and out I'm like oh okay and I think we're just talking all of a sudden I see like I don't just see I hear the swarm of flies and I'm like what is that so I looked down and I seen that he was um in his undergarments and then that he had a towel around his calf his lower leg and it was full of maggots um, and it was bloody and he didn't look good. Like he looked like he had lost a lot of weight. Um, and I had just seen the police officer that, that morning and I had his number. So I gave him a call and I said, would you please do a welfare check on this gentleman? And, um, and I knew if he knew I called it in, he would not have been happy with me because he is stubborn in his ways. Um, mm -hmm. and I knew that he wouldn't be able to live alone after that. So, and I just being, there's multiple reasons why I had to do what I did, but at the end of the day, he's a human, like I would do this for anyone. So mm -hmm. I just did a welfare check and they said, if I did not do that, he wouldn't have made it, um, on Monday. And that was a Saturday and I wasn't even supposed to be working that Saturday, mm -hmm. which I'm really glad I was. Yeah. The ability to help somebody, even when it's hard, um, that's tough. And you, you, it was more than just a job for you. It was an, an opportunity to connect with people and, and to be yes. helpful. And I loved it. I loved yeah. it. So Brandy, you, you kind of grew up in that neck of the woods. Uh, Chatfield's a small town, but compared to Lanesboro, it's, it's big. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. So Lanesboro is a nice, small, rural town right on a nice, lovely river, a beautiful spot in Minnesota. But it's, again, it's small town. How did you get involved or how did you get engaged in the idea of joining the military? Um, I think it always stemmed back. I want to say the Air Force distinctively. When I went to Good Earth Village, I met this 
this little girl at the time, her name was Allison Lee. Um, and her and I became friends. And then she came to my school, <laughs> I think that um, next year. And then her mom was our cheerleading coach. And I just spent a lot of time with them. And her dad retired from the Air Force. His name was um, Steve Lee. And her mom, Rose Lee, was also in the Air Force. And then she converted to um, the Navy. Awesome. But just just seeing how those two interacted and how their lifestyle was, um, I just sincerely admired them. And I wanted to be like them. And then my grandparents, as I got older to more of an adult, um, were like impacted my life immensely to the point where I wanted to, to do nothing but make them proud and to be like them as well. And they were both um, in the army. So that is how the military impacted my life. It's, it's, a, it's great how we come to know a little bit about the military. It, everybody's got a different story on this, Brandy. And when you joined the military, you were a little bit older uh, as an airman. Mm -hmm. you, you had already <laughs> experienced a ton of, you've had a lot of life uh, already in, in uh, what you've done. You were a flight attendant. So you must have had some sort of tie into the air. You, you like that. Oh, yes. But you weren't oh, yes. a flight attendant for Delta or United or American. You you went a little bit farther than Lanesboro, didn't you? I sure did. <laughs> it's impressive. So I, you know, my heart was set on American Airlines or Air France because I have family in France and I just wanted nothing more but to go hang out with them, to go be with them more because growing up, like it was one or every other summer I'd go back there and I never wanted to leave ever, but I had to. Um, so I went, looked up a travel academy just so I could get more of a, a breach on what I was getting myself into, which I already knew what I was getting myself into as a flight attendant. I've been around them my whole life. Um, but I wanted to know what was out there, like more out there than just a flight attendant. So I went to the Travel Academy, which is now in Egan, Minnesota, mm -hmm. and Kurt Armstrong is the um, CEO of the company, and he's amazing. The whole staff was amazing. Um, and life for me has been like always perfect timing. So when I went there, I started the course. We started the interview practice, and then like I want to say. I can't remember what month it was in when Emirates um, came to Minneapolis. Like it was a huge deal because this airline was the top notch, like number one airline of the world. And they were interviewing and I had just done my interview practice and got my resume ready. And I went there. I even asked another um, female lady if she wanted to come with me because she didn't have a ride and I had a vehicle. <laughs> so we both went there and I felt so bad because she's much shorter than I am and you have to be a certain height in order to, there's like four different processes that we had to go through. And the first process was your height. And she was, so she had to, I went through the whole process and she had to wait for me patiently um, to get through it because she tapped out right away because of her height. And um, I just, it was crazy because it was in the middle of my course. And then by the end of my course, 
on Halloween, actually, and it's, it's 2011 is when I got hired, so it's going to be like 12, 12 years ago. Um, as of yesterday, they called me and said, we are interested in, in hiring you if, um, if you would be willing to step aboard with us. And I said yes. Um, and then after my course was finished, which was in November on the 18th, I was leaving not even a month ago, like later on December 11th to go live in Dubai. So wow. it was super, super fast and super aligned for me that I, I'm not sure how I manifested. And I'm sure I, I know how I manifested such a great um, adventure um, that it just aligned perfectly. Didn't even have to try hard. It was, was just that, there. What just, was that like living in Dubai? <sighs> Oh my gosh. It was, oh my gosh. <laughs> I can't even explain to you how it was. It was almost so fast paced and out of this world. <laughs> you could wear a dress, you could be dolled up and nobody would question you. <laughs> huh. Like it's just a very luxurious area. Um, and for the most part, Women were respected there. Um, yeah, it was like it was like different parts of the world were all coming together there and accepted each other for the most part. Um, there were some downsides of it, and I'm I think that's one thing that got to me was I felt like there was a lot of slavery there, um, a lot of uh, like India or Pakistan. Um, people that were slaved and I just you look in their eyes and they look like um, their soul was taken away and, and that just I couldn't I couldn't support that so you, so. you decided to uh, to leave the career field and and uh, run on back here to the United States um, what what did that I experience did. T- teach you Brandy about you know the the ability to take risks in life um, what did you learn from that experience that you've carried forward to your, your Air Force career? I've learned that taking risks means growing. It means expanding your mind. It means learning to love more yourself as well. Um, mm-hmm. Knowing your worth is important because if you don't take those risks, you're not ever gonna really live up to that part that or that potential that you could be. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's it's freeing for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I love I love um, being a risk taker sometimes because that is very freeing. It's like taking a leap of faith. And the wind just, is carrying you at that point. Just takes a level of comfort with yourself, though, in the first place. I think you're absolutely right. Yes. So were your, your grandparents are a big influence in you, and I'm sure they were thrilled to have, have you back in the United States. You live, you moved right back to southern Minnesota right before joining the Air Force, Air Guard? Yes. Yes. And the, yep, cool, the cool thing about... You know, your tie to your family is is impressive to me. The first time that we met face to face, uh, you were all uh, dressed up in your blues. I was in my blues. And 
you were wearing your grandpa's old military shoes. So I thought <laughs> this, this is awesome. Yeah. Is that I on purpose? Candy downs. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I, I'm really glad it, did, it worked out that way because I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. I was, no, it wasn't on purpose. It was on accident. It was a lack of time because <laughs> mm-hmm. I, wasn't going to go to my storage unit and searching for those because I just got back from deployment and I really wanted to um, have that full experience of interviewing with you guys and being up in Duluth. So I um, I took whatever was available at the time. That was my grandpa's shoes. <laughs> it worked out just fine. I, I had a story of a guy that retired uh, as a chief master sergeant and he showed up to something without his blue pants and he ended up having to borrow his mom's. So things Ooh, like that happen. Nice. And that, well, they fit. I feel like you have a story too. Oh, Brandy. <laughs> there was one I time. Could you share I, that? <laughs> oh, gee. Who's interviewing who today? <laughs> there was one just time we had just switched from the old blues uniform to the new one, and I hadn't had my pants hemmed yet. And so I did the job myself with a stapler before the inspection. Love that. Which, by the way, everyone, that encouraged me to wear all my ribbons that day. Do you remember that? Yeah, sure did. Yeah. You're like, how did you make that happen? I'm like, well, here's the deal. They're sharing a bar right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. We're not going to go to the fact that I had to march while in those pants and one of the staples gave way. Anyway, and you still passed, didn't you? I I managed. I think thank good. It was the old Air National Guard back then. A few people noticed. Mm. And eventually you can still become command chief even with a few mistakes in your career. So there we have it. Thanks for interviewing me today. That was fun. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you yes, for sharing. Indeed. <laughs> Brandy, let's get back to your story here. You're you're majoring in uh, geo environmental geoscience, and before we started the podcast, we started just chit chatting a little bit about your passion for um, working and uh, and improving our environmental conditions. How does first off tell me what environmental geo geoscience actually is? And you got a new job with a, a company called GSS. What are you doing to help our environment? On top of still oh, serving gosh. in the Air National Guard. So uh, environmental geoscience is a bachelor's degree in pretty much learning about the earth and how it works. Um, right now we're going through earthquakes, um, volcanoes. So um, it's magic. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, it's, it's incredible how Mother Nature rebuilds and destructs all by herself. And we're just here existing with her. Um, with GSS, that's Geospatial Services, and that is me- measuring wetlands, which are significant on this earth. Um, so in a nutshell, I haven't really worked with them yet, but I will be working with them. The wetlands um, are like a spongy part where it it like soaks up a lot of the garbage and maybe like toxins or like oils 
different chemicals that go into the earth that we put in either by accident or purpose, um, it helps contain those so it doesn't keep spreading. And GSS actually measures and takes accountable, accountability for those so we can conserve them and it doesn't get built over. Um, so we can keep um, our environment safe for the most part and, cl and clean. My, uh, my degree, I haven't decided what I'm going to do yet with it. Um, I'm hoping to go into soil preserving and get back the nutrients in it so we can provide more nutrition uh, food so we can have healthier food to make the people healthier because our food is medicine. There's a lot of science that goes into that. And being somebody yes. that on the side actually grows food. <laughs> um, yes. There, Thank there's you just there's just a ton that uh, that goes into it. And um, here's our recent guiding documents, the um, National Defense Strategy actually goes into how as a Department of Defense, we should be more environmentally conscious. Do you see that we're doing good things? Um, as a military, we have to be ready to go and do what the nation needs us to do. But at the same time, we have to take good care of uh, of the land and the earth that we're on. How do you think we're doing? Yes. With, with the, in the sense of the world, like the United States or the Air Force? Just us uh, in the Air Force, how are we doing? When it comes to environmental issues, big question for a senior woman uh, today. I just want everyone to know, I love the Air Force um, and I'm gonna be brutally honest. I don't think we're doing the best job that we can be doing. I'm not, and this is just from my point of view as an airman walking through like the cafeteria, for example, and like this could be in a deployed environment or at home, at home we're using silverware and we're washing our, our dishes. Of course, this is again, me in services. Um, we are recycling, but I'm not there with a, the aircrafts or like in the mechanical or the CE areas. I will say though, we are efficient with our jobs and I don't see a lot of waste for that, for that matter. Um, but like when it comes, when we were deployed, um, I think I was the only one that brought my cutlery. Like everybody else had no problem using the plastic um, mm -hmm. and throwing it away every day, which was wasteful. I thought when I, I reuse my cutlery every day. Um, it's, it's small things like that, which make a huge impact. Um, so I, if I knew all the dynamics with recycling and uh, fuel efficiencies, I would have a better answer for you. But that is all I have right now. That is a great answer, actually. And knowing that that is... Um, something in our more overarching guiding documents that's, hey, we have to get purposeful about improving this. And uh, so it recognizes mm -hmm. the fact we're not doing the best, uh, but we got to get better. And actually having that, uh, that, uh, that guide to get better, get better as quickly as we possibly can. I know energy consumption is one thing that our, our base tracks. And over the last decade yes. and a half, we've dropped the amount of energy we, we use by 30%, which is pretty darn good. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. But letting people know that 
especially our, our youngest airmen that come in and they care about the environment, they care about the earth. How are we doing and are we doing anything better? And then involving people in the process is something that good leaders ought to be doing. So. Cool. Thank you. Thank you for your astute answer on that one. Um, <laughs> Brandy, we're going to lighten it up just a touch. Um I know, I know that uh, one of the more important and fun things that we do on the podcast is short answers. So I hope you're ready for this. Um, don't hesitate on your answers. All right. You ready? All right. Okay. Gotcha. I, I know you're an outdoors person. So, and you're big with water, canoe or kayak? Canoe all the way. If you're drinking, is it sparkling or still water? Still. And it's probably spring water. Best Thanksgiving food. Oh my gosh. Sweet potatoes. Favorite classic rock gosh. band. Oh my gosh. I don't know. <laughs> um, I can't think of any right now. Can we come back to that one? Yeah, I'll come back to it. Are you a fall person or a summer person? I'm a fall person. Best place to hike in Minnesota. Honestly, the Lost Creek in Chatfield. All right on. Worst Halloween candy. All of them. Really? Okay. Yeah, candy's horrible. <laughs> All right. Back to the classic rock band. You got one? Uh, um, I don't yet. All right. I... That's okay. I... I... I get that sometimes they're all so good, you just can't pick. They are. They really are. Like the Beatles, Led Zeppelin, they're all good. All right. Well, I'll go with those guys. Led Zeppelin. For a person much younger than me, it's it's good you at least know Led Zeppelin. Sorry to the Beatles fans <laughs> out there. Not my favorite. Um, So you grew up in Lanesboro, like I had mentioned, but you were born in France. How did you end up back in the United States? Um, it was pretty simple. My parents decided to go separate ways. So my mom originally went back to Idaho. Um, and my dad's in France and awesome. my mom remarried to a man that was from Minnesota, All right. which I met my grandparents, the ones that were in the, mil are, were in the military. So perfect. Yes. Do you get to France ever? I was there four years ago. Awesome. Speak it. Celebrating my grandma's 80th birthday. Um, a little bit. Okay. I don't. So <laughs> glad you do. I know a little bit of French. Yes. All right. Very good. Well, uh, beautiful little historic town in Fillmore County. Fillmore County is down in Southern Minnesota, Southwestern Minnesota, sorry, Southeastern Minnesota. There's another famous person from, from Fillmore County. I'll bet you've heard of him. His name was Bernard H. Pietenpole. Best friends, right? Yeah. Met him yesterday. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Doubtful. It would have been a dead conversation. So you and he share a commonality and interest in airlift and air travel. Mr. Pietenpole desi designed something called the Air Camper back in 1929 using a Model A engine from an old Ford. And he wow. wanted 
you know, he, like you, wanted to help people um, get in the air and uh, remain there and travel comfortably, just like you wanted people to travel comfortably. Uh, It was supposed to be an aircraft the average airman could fly, make air travel accessible to a greater number of people. Mr. Pete and Pohl is now in the Minnesota Aviation Hall of Fame. Neat, right? And he's from your (laughs) county. So another famous person from Fillmore County with 133rd ties is James Kennison. He retired out of our security forces. He brews paw print beer right there on Main Street in Chatfield. I know him. Ah, I do too. A great guy. So let's just say you and Mr. Pete and Pole, you've got this time machine and you've traveled back and you're sitting there having a nice pint of Minuteman red ale and you're swapping stories about air travel. Do you think he'd be a believer in a more family centric way of air travel? And how do you see us getting there if you do? I always envision us instead of driving on the ground, actually driving in the air. Like flying in the air, excuse me, flying. <laughs> um, I definitely think it's possible, but I just don't know how they're going to regulate it, like safely. Yeah. So, like the Jetsons flying cars. I, yeah, exactly, exactly yeah. like that. <laughs> I think you and Mr. Pete and Paul probably would have shared that. There's your they history lesson for the day. The yes, thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. And oh next gosh. time, next time you see uh, uh, James Kennison over there at Popperin, please tell him, tell him I said hello. I will. Absolutely. Oh, real good. Um, you're rounding out your year as Airman of the Year, um, Brandy, and you've represented our wing really, really fantastically, not just at the extra learning opportunities, but you've got to go and stand up and be recognized as uh, as one of our best of the best out at the base and uh, definitely the best of the best for this past year. Um, you've learned a lot about leadership. You've watched a lot of good leaders. You've got to interact with some good ones. Who do you can, what makes a good mentor and what makes a good leader? And is there a difference? A good leader and a good mentor uh, uh, a good leader would be someone that um, is a servant to their people so so you're almost like under them in a sense and you're pushing them up like showing them letting them show you the way almost but you're absolutely leading them in the right direction as well as a mentor I almost feel like a mentor, you're side by side, you're in your face, you're face to face, you're, you're getting to know each other on a a deeper level. Um, Because a mentor, you're almost like friends. And that's the difference between a leadership and a mentor. Um, Leaders, they don't have, they don't necessarily get to know you on that deeper level because of their role. Um, Cause you're in like, you're in the, in the, in the scene of actively working or like starting a project and working towards that as a mentor, you're like, I would say they're behind the scenes. Um, but a good leader is leading by example, simply just leading by example. Yeah. I, I really like your, your description of the side by side reference when it comes to, uh, having mentors and I'm, I'm sure you've gotten a chance to 
watch and and learn from and and grow with uh, quite a few. What's your uh, what's your goal for your time left in the Air National Guard, Brandy? I honestly don't know right now. I am I am going to school, and that's not going to be my main focus. But I think one thing I I would love to start working on um, is obviously empowering our airmen um, and getting our people to come together regardless of what position we're in honest it's i think it's vital that everybody knows we're all very significant in this because if it wasn't for one or the other we wouldn't really be going forward couldn't have said it better myself hey brandy thanks for representing our wing as our airman of the year this year and thanks for being a part of the 133rd family Thank you. I really couldn't have done it without my people. It's my pleasure. Great, great of you to say. And thanks for joining me on this episode of Beneath the Wing. It's been fantastic. Thank you for letting me. Hey, next time we're going to have another special airman from the wing. And this time it's going to be a special Veterans Day edition with our wing commander, Colonel James Cleet. He and I are going to finally sit down with me. Or he's going to finally sit down with me to share his story of strength and success on Beneath the Wing as well as some stories of other inspirational veterans that has shaped, have shaped his journey. Thanks again to the Beneath the Wing team of Amy Lovegren for her production expertise and Master Sergeant David Gindorf and Tech Sergeant Jared Smith for their pre-episode subject research. 